Hi, and welcome to the Milk and Coffee Podcast, your coffee break for the ears. My name is Ava, and I want to invite you to slow down, simplify, and explore the art of cozy living with me. This is your invitation to embrace a more nourishing way of being. So grab a cup and get comfortable. I'm so happy you are here. Hey, hey, how are you, my beautiful friends? This week, I'm here with my friend and business partner, Rachel Hollinger, and we are going to talk about joyful eating and what that means for us, especially around the holidays and with Thanksgiving approaching, which is such a big food fest. Um, Rachel is a chef and certified postpartum um, doula. We actually met online when we went to through postpartum doula training together. And last year we embarked on this adventure that's called The Pause, which is our little retreat business. Uh, Rachel is just one of the most warm-hearted and kind mothers I ever got to meet. And I'm just so honored every day that I get to work with her and also deepen our friendship. She is really passionate about achieving more peaceful postpartum through food and rest and birth processing and soul work. And she's just a beautiful speaker and a wonderful person. So I hope you enjoy um, Rachel here in the podcast with me today. This is my first little interview. I am not sure I'm going to be equipped to do, you know, hour long interviews, but I think I wouldn't mind bringing in someone occasionally. So let me know um, how this lands for you. And if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you are going to get yourself a cup of coffee or hot chocolate or tea or something warm and cozy because it is going to be a very delicious episode. Hi, Rachel. It's good to have you on the Milk and Coffee podcast today. My very first ever guest on my podcast. Yeah, I feel so honored and I not just because you're my good friend, but because this your podcast has already been such a like calming presence in my week to week so yeah i'm really excited to be here i really appreciate that so i in the introduction already told um my listeners how we know each other and all the work we do together but maybe you want to introduce yourself um just briefly yeah so i am a postpartum doula and chef. My background is in food, so I center a lot of the care that I offer for mothers around food. Um, and I'm also an educator and write and speak on mother care and mother-centric care um, quite a bit. And we host retreats together, you and I, which I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with at this point. Um which are also centered around mothers and food and all of that. So that's kind of like where I have found myself with, between those two subjects. Yeah. And that's, that's a reason why I wanted to have you on here today because you do the food at our retreat so beautifully and so thoughtfully. 
I feel like when you're in the kitchen, there's just this joy around you. Um, it's it's very much about nourishing, nourishment, right? But then it's also just kind of like the feeling of food and what it does to our souls. And with the approaching holiday season, um, I think we're going to see a lot of both binging and restriction when it comes to eating amongst mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone is really immune to that. And so I just want to start out with a question. Why do you think mothers are so hungry? And you can interpret that however you want to. Well, I think I think women are hungry, but if we're like narrowing it down even within the class of women, if we're talking about mothers specifically, um we also have to talk about women, like why we find ourselves to be hungry in the first place. And even like outside the bounds of talking about food, um, what is it that you're hungry for? You know, it could be um, you're hungry for a sense of having a voice or a sense of place, or maybe you're hungry for comfort or maybe you're hungry for rest or um or maybe you are truly just hungry like like I am most of the time (laughs) um and I think um there's like when we talk about hunger we also have to look at why women feel that depravity is something that we're just sort of owed like that it will in being, um, in having less than we need or taking up less space, we are somehow doing better, you know, like we're being a good woman or a good wife because we need less, um, you know, like that martyr mother mentality. And so I think that food is just like a really easy place for us to feel like we have control in um, within motherhood in a situation which we feel like we have no control. We're running on somebody else's schedule all of the time and um, we're giving and giving and giving in so many ways. And it can be really easy to just fall into um, a version of ourselves in which we just matter less. And in a society that sometimes tells us we matter less, um, yeah, we we eat less. <laughs> we eat less, we take up less space, we talk less. And, um, and so while I think most of us view food as being something like fairly mundane or small or maybe silly to focus on, I think that it holds a lot of meaning. Um, more than we sometimes want to give it credit for. So um, always encouraging mothers to check in with themselves about what they're actually hungry for. A good way to do that is to um, take like a, just a quiet moment to yourself. Um, maybe it even involves you closing your eyes or doing some deep breathing and asking yourself, I am, I want, 
I need, um, which are three really simple questions, but um, we don't really afford ourselves the luxury of asking those questions very often as mothers. So what is it that I am? What is it that I want? What is it that I need? Um, And I think by starting there and starting by identifying the hunger, um, then you can kind of start to move to a place of like, why is, why is this hunger something that I'm comfortable staying in or spending time with? Um, what would it take for me to not feel hungry anymore? Um, can be kind of big, uncomfortable questions for us, but, um, all like, I really believe all really correlated to just all of the subliminal messaging that mothers get on, um, on just the fact that we need to be separated from our pleasure, separated from ourselves. Um, and, and yeah. And so I think to figure out why you're hungry, it definitely takes getting to a bit of an uncomfortable place. If that, if, does that answer your question or does that yes. answer a piece of your question? Yeah, no, that, that was wonderful. And that was, that was really thorough and beautifully phrased. And I think because, so the milk and coffee podcast, right? It's, it's a, the art of cozy living podcast. And I feel when it comes to food and motherhood and and women and all that, we could talk for hours about all the shadow sides of it. Right. But I kind of, kind of skipped that a little bit because it is a comforting listen Right, my podcast. It, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not here um, to to go deep into the health realm with it, but I do want to hear your take on how can we eat joyfully around the holidays because it is mm-hmm. a cozy time, but we can really take the beauty out of it by constantly counting calories, overthinking our eating, under eating, overeating, all that stuff, right? And so mm-hmm. do you have any advice for my listeners, like how to kind of be very gentle with ourselves during these next couple of weeks? Well, I think that if I'm being honest, I'm also speaking to myself here. Because I, too, have an elevated sense of anxiety moving into times when I might be eating differently than I normally eat. Um, But eating with joy has become such a vital practice for me as a mother and as someone who has experienced disordered eating and, and restrictions around eating that were outside of my control. I think it's become something that it just feels like once you start doing it, you don't know how to not do it anymore. Um, And Ava, I've always really, I guess, admired your ability to eat with joy and to eat in a really untethered way. What I mean by that is that like, you're not fulfilling anybody else's expectations when you eat other than experiencing pleasure and like listening to your body. And I feel like you do that really well. Um, so yeah, I guess moving into the holidays, um, 
eating with joy and claiming pleasure as your birthright might seem like a little bit dramatic, but I think no, it's beautiful. Um, oh, good. Well, I think it's there's like some questions that you can kind of ask yourself, or maybe not questions, maybe just like a sense of mindfulness when you're eating something and you feel like you might be experiencing tension in your mind or your heart or your body over that eating experience. Um, you can just start to check in with yourself um, and kind of ask yourself, what is it? what is it about this that is bringing me a lot of joy rather than what's it about this experience that's making me stress? Oh, it's because there's too much butter in the mashed potatoes. Maybe I should eat less. Like me, instead of your immediate reaction um, being to restrict, which is what's like so common and so easy for us to slip into, um, start thinking about how am I experiencing pleasure and joy in this moment of consuming and delighting in food and how can I give myself more of that so if it truly is butter in mashed potatoes is it making you anxious or could it possibly bring you joy and if that's the case how can you recreate that food memory through the holidays for yourselves because food memories are so powerful and you've talked a lot about that on your podcast here too just different tastes and smells and moments in the kitchen that have stayed with you and shaped the way you think about being truly cozy, you know, being mm -hmm. truly in your happy place is, um, yeah, it's, it's so centered around food. So creating more of those memories and focusing on how it's bringing us joy rather than what we should or should not be um, eating is obviously like we all know that like everybody's told us that a million times over the holidays um, now that diet culture is slowly <laughs> uh, losing its stage I think there's a lot of us that are eating with uh, more abundance during the holidays but then um, falling right back into restriction afterwards so I feel like um, maybe what you need to do is just kind of like slow down in in the eating and be a little bit more introspective about um why it's bringing you joy and how that joy can last the whole year round um yeah and and you could do that by um choosing to take time in preparing your foods um like for me just kind of having music on in the kitchen and having my kids help me and gathering things from my garden to use during the meal or um, instead of just like scooping the honey out and quickly pushing it off the spoon with my finger, like letting it slowly drizzle onto the food, um, just slowing the process down for yourself, slow, sitting down with other people, with your family, with friends to eat you know, not guzzling a glass of wine and I'm not allowed to have another, but just like really letting that glass of wine last throughout the evening. And then maybe you do have another and it lasts even longer. Maybe it just <laughs> keeps going, but just yeah. inviting like a, 
a feeling of slowness into all of it um, is a good way to experience joy. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I actually love that you touched on, you know, eating joyfully year round. And I know you love this book and I got it as a present last Christmas. And I just actually got it out of the box to get me in the sort of cozy spirit. And also because the word is a dark place right now and I needed a, a serious cheer me up, mm. but I got, I got the Nigel Slater um, Christmas mm. Chronicles book out of the Christmas yes. box. And that is such a beautiful example of how story and personal history and food is really interlaced mm. so beautifully, right? There's like this golden thread, mm-hmm. like food is like a golden thread that weaves itself through our lives and our memories. And I guess I just am curious, well, first of all, you know, touching what you said about eating joyfully year round, I think what Nigel does in this book as well is rather than singling out the holidays, which here in the US would be, you know, Thanksgiving and then Christmas, um, it's it's maybe like seeing it also as the whole season of winter to be this nourishing time for us mm-hmm. where we really go heavy on the, you know, like the spices and the warming foods, because maybe that also takes the pressure off to eat so much or so heavily during the holidays, because who's to say that you can't have your favorite holiday dishes, not on a random, you know, December evening or January afternoon, Absolutely, right? You don't have to eat it all in two yeah. days. You could space them out. You could make like, I love, you know, like a, a freshly made um, not the canned stuff, but the good stuff, <laughs> green bean casserole, that that can be a dinner, right? Um, as, yeah. So um, so that was just, I guess, my my thought that I want to add here and then touching on Nigel's book, which I'm going to link in the, in the show notes. What is your yeah. favorite sort of sense and tastes and smells that are meaningful to you this during the holidays or during winter and that you're going to incorporate heavily, or maybe there's a specific meal that, that comes to mind that you will be making in the next couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. Well, if you want to keep this podcast short, this is a very bad question <laughs> to ask me because winter food is my favorite food. And I do want to say before I, I share that, I think too, that like, even I really agree with what you just said is that like, that idea of only eating those foods that feel really meaningful to us on the holidays is sort of like another example of how restriction just sort of is there without us even realizing it, that those that we have permission and access to the, to beautiful food all the time. And in the winter, you know, all of those seasonal things that we love, like there's no reason for us to try to squish them into some, amount of time because that's what seems permissible to us. Um, so yeah, I think Nigel Slater's book is a, yes, one of my favorites and a really good, um, invitation to just make beautiful food all winter and sort of like draw the joy of festive eating, um, out for a much longer period of time. Um, for me, foods that sort of evoke that like really cozy winter um would be marzipan is one of my biggest ones mm. i adore marzipan 
it's can be really hard to find in the US, but there's some like if you if you have like a European market or something like that that's close to you, you can usually find it around the holidays. And if I find it, I squirrel it away. Like I just get so much of it and try to keep it for the whole winter. Um, when my family and I were in England, I bought like so much marzipan to bring home, like the majority of my souvenir. Um, and so marzipan, and sometimes I will like whip that into um, like a, a filling with butter and sugar and um, wrap like braid it inside of a pastry. I've done that for Christmas morning before, but I've also, again, done that for just a Monday morning. Um, I love to make on Christmas. I usually do for breakfast well for stockings. I'll make a big fruit and cheese platter, but like really focus on things that are special in the winter. So I'll usually have nuts and a nutcracker out. And to me, like the smell of just the kids cracking nuts and that's getting all over the floor is really sentimental. And, you know, I'll always have like some good sharp or stinky cheeses, um, like blue or a brie and pomegranates, just like torn in segments because then the kids can pick out the kernels and lots of citrus and things like that. Um, and and then like again, uh, it's it's kind of obvious, but just a really good beef stew. Um, although I have found myself in recent years sort of gravitating towards making a beef stew, but instead of beef, doing mushrooms mm-hmm. um, and doing you know like in a really rich gravy with maybe some cranberries in there, and doing that over mashed potatoes is just like. just like warms your whole body. Um, And of course, lots of red wine. I could go on. How long should I talk about this? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I think I want to um, try some of Nigel's recipes when it comes to the fruit liqueurs. Um, I think there's something to be said about, about drenching dried fruit in alcohol and then leaving it to be and becoming its own beautiful masterpiece and then sipping it slowly around the holidays. I think uh, like, just like with eating with alcohol, it's also usually a very um, black and white sort of thinking in a way. And, and again, I feel like this is a beautiful way to just um, have this beautiful balance and, and mindfulness around it. I don't know. I kind of think that's, Mm -hmm. that's I fancy it. And there's something fun about like making something and knowing that you're not going to get to eat it for six months. And then it's this little treasure. I actually made the fig liqueur out of that book and ended up, I made that last Christmas and ended up using it at one of our retreats. Yes. I remember, I remember those things. Yeah. And so it was just kind of, it's fun to have things that are a bit more of a labor of love. Yes, for sure. Um, well, Rachel, it was so wonderful having you here with me today. And I know we could talk for hours and hours about this, but it is a shorter format po- podcast. So I am uh, proud of ourselves that we're finding an end <laughs> here. Self-control. 
but not too much control. Remember, um, no, but right, we're, we're, exactly. we're, we're, we're joy, we're joyfully ending it here now, but I'm just so happy that you were able to talk a little bit about that because you did do a beautiful session on joyful eating, um, at our last retreat in Maine. And, and I think it touched all the women in attendance because it is something that literally weighs us, us down, like all of us collectively, I have yet to meet someone who never thinks about body image um, and its relation to food. So thank you so much for being here and speaking on this really important topic and, and also speaking on it, you know, on a lighter note and making it cozy. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always here to talk about cozy food with you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed this conversation between me and Rachel as much as I did. I always love talking to her and I'm sure I'm going to bring her on again to talk about postpartum or maybe our retreat. Um, But for now, I just wanted to wish you a wonderful week and also remind you that my memoir about motherhood called Milk and Coffee Years is available through my webpage. I want to link it below. So if you're looking for a gift for a mother in your life. I think it would make a good one. And also don't forget to comment and share this podcast. Please share it with any mother and woman you feel is particularly struggling with joyful eating this season. And don't forget to also sign up to my free Substack newsletter where I also share my Thanksgiving menu this week. So if you're curious what's going to be on the table in our house, make sure you head on over to Substack and subscribe for free. So for now, let me just send you off with a lot of, with a big cozy embrace. See you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that this episode left you inspired to seek a slower, more intentional life. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave me a review, let me know where you like to listen to my podcast, or write to me. And most importantly, tell all your friends about Milk and Coffee. For more nourishing lifestyle inspiration, supportive mindset shifts, and all the coziness, follow me on Instagram at ava.maria.smith and subscribe to my Substack called Milk and Coffee. Or go to my webpage, www.milkandcoffee.com avamariasmith.com. I would love to talk more. Remember, slow living is a journey and I'm here for you. Take a deep breath now and seek the beauty of this day. How lucky are we to be alive?